The boys are back. It's time for Quiz Madness as Mark and David get to grips with wang-licking. We'll offer you the perfect solution for dealing with crying babies. What happened when a private joke between friends ended up going viral on Twitter? And back by popular demand, our world-famous listicles. All this and a whole lot more on the almost 30-minute quiz show. And it seems like only two weeks since we were last here. How are you doing, Mark? Yes, not too bad. Not too bad. I am I'm e- excited, though. I'm extremely excited. Extremely excited because, ladies and gentlemen, after three editions, three episodes of the almost 30-minute quiz show, we finally... You, you had to work hard on that, didn't I did, you? I did. It's a hard after, after four episodes, you still don't remember the name of the show that we... Pre- I am delighted to say that we have... Da-da-da-da, you've got mail. Yeah, we got a fan letter. Go for it. Okay. Dear Mark and David, I consider myself your best fan, and if anybody else says otherwise, they're effing liars. Please, please, can you send me a signed photo, preferably naked, for my collection? I've been sitting in my car outside of David's house every night for the last three weeks. The police just don't understand what a super fan is. Although most of what you say is shit... Perhaps I don't understand it. Your dulcet tones just do it for me. Love you both. I would do anything for you guys. You know that. Your friend always, Sir Arthur Pewty. Isn't that sweet? It is. Now, is it real? I, I don't know. I looked up Sir Arthur Pewty and I couldn't find him. I think it may be a, a, a sort of... Reference to Monty Python? Is it? It's Arthur Pewty is... Um, is is in Monty Python. Ah. It's um, I think Arthur Pewty is the one who wants to become a lion tamer. He's an accountant. He's very very dull and boring and wants to become a lion tamer. I'm pretty sure that's Arthur Pewty. Ah, I'll have to look that okay. up properly. But but uh, anyway, we do happen to know that it is a genuine fan out there because we conversed with them afterwards. Uh, and so thank you very much indeed, Arthur. So if anybody else would like to send us fabulous fan mail like that, the address is almost thirty quiz. At gmail.com. David, how else can everybody get a hold of us? Um, Twitter, at Almost Quiz. Facebook, look up the Almost 30 Quiz Show. And Instagram, the Almost 30 Minute Quiz. And Mark, I'd just like to point out that you created most of those accounts. Not one of them has the same name as the other. Yeah, it's it's a bit late, unfortunately, once you start doing it to change it all. On my next lesson, hopefully, on social media, I'll learn how to edit the name of a quiz. So for this week, those are our social media addresses. And if uh, anybody wants to listen to this who isn't already and people are asking you, where can I get this? You can listen to us on Stitcher, on Spotify, on iTunes, CastBox, Google Pods, and any other good podcast app. As they say. And, by the way, if you press subscribe, it will come automatically into your inbox every two weeks on these apps. So make sure you do that. Okay, and after we've given you all of that, let's get on with the questions. Now, remember, we're going to pose to you five questions, and you can pause the, the, the source that you're listening to this, have a go at answering the questions yourself, and then after the break, we'll come back and start answering them one after another. So, question number one, Mark. In the 1973 film Soylent Green, what is the food made from? Question two. Conguito candies made the news this week. Why? Question number three. What did Yoshi Take a Shitter do for a living? (laughs) I may have mispronounced that. (laughs) Which TV chef's Italian restaurant chain closed, costing him £25 million? And number five. What was XTC's first top 40 single in 1979? We'll discuss all of those after this. 
Question number one. In the 1973 film Soylent Green, what is the food made from, Mark? Uh, pasta? Mm, well, no. No. Uh, the actual answer is human beings. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw the film Soylent Green. Um, I think it had Ed G Edward G. Robinson in it. It's a 1973 film in an in an environment where people only have a limited amount of time left to live, the world is too crowded, and they come up with a solution to murder people and turn them into food. How very appropriate. Um, so let's just listen to this young lady speaking at a political gathering in the United States of America. A Swedish professor saying, you know, we can eat dead, dead people, but that's not fast enough. So I think your next uh, campaign slogan has to be this. We got to start eating babies. We don't have enough time. There's too much CO2. All of you, you're, you, you know, you're a pollutant. Too much CO2. We have to start now. Please, you are so great. I'm so happy that you're really supporting your Green Deal. But it's not enough, you know, even if we would bomb Russia, we still have too many people, too much pollution. So we have to get rid of the babies. That's a big problem. Just stopping having babies is not enough. We need to eat the babies. And this is very serious. Please give a response. Okay, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Mark, what do you think? No, I agree with her. I, I think it's about time we like took some babies, <laughs> chopped them up, add onions, shallots. Okay, without freaking people out, that, that what would be the best way to have a baby? To to eat so a baby. You really need me to explain that one now. No, that, <laughs> to have a baby. No, to no, baby. to eat a baby. <laughs> to eat a baby. Sautéed, microwaved. I don't know. You can't get them in the microwave normally. You try, but you have to like take the legs off first. Yeah. Okay. So before we actually turn everybody off this <laughs> podcast. Does this young woman have a point? Forget whether she's mad or not, and clearly nobody in their right mind is suggesting we eat babies, but are we getting to the point of no return, which is what young people today, campaigners on the left particularly, are claiming? Um, are we reaching the point of no return? I, I, I think you've really got to be off one end of the scale if you think there's nothing happening. Those people that say there is no climate change, it's all it's all put in there as a method for taxation and control. You, you know, I, I think there are thousands and thousands of scientists out there who, who have shown that, that there is an upcoming problem with the environment and we need to take steps. Um, but if, if you look at governments around the world, in certainly in Europe, they're looking to try and have zero carbon, zero carbon environments within the next 30, 40 years. The question is, is that quick enough? And is there any point doing that if the biggest polluters in the world in China and America make no effort to, to reduce their environmental footstep? I'm just going to parenthetically put aside the discussion about the fact that a lot of the leading campaigners fly to rallies and so on in their private jets, yeah. etc. I think it's worth mentioning again parenthetically, but I don't think that that is... Is this your new word for the week, is, parenthetically? It is, it is. It's, it's something I learned from Americans because we say brackets and they say parentheses. Um, anyway, I, I think that that is not the issue, even though that is debated a lot and is used a lot by people on the right as a way of avoiding the subject by saying, well, you're a bunch yeah. of hypocrites. But, but at the end of the day, there is a real problem, whether it is the result of human beings and human activities or whether it is just something that is happening in nature at the moment. I think it behooves all behooves. of us... That is two, good, that's good two words, words in a week. <laughs> I think it behooves all of us 
to bear in mind the impact that our actions have on the environment and on people around us. And I think that we should, as individuals and, of course, as a community, take steps to try to reduce the impact that we have on the area around us. I, re I read something nice this week that said it take, it's taken until now for society to realise that it takes less energy to wash up a glass than it does to manufacture plastic cups out of petrol, extract the oil out of the ground, etc., etc. I know at my workplace we removed um, single-use plastics from the workplace, but I think the problem with that is a lot of people don't go with it because the campaigns are so hardcore and, you know, this must stop tomorrow mm -hmm. that, that people don't come along. And this is where you get some of the denial from. So let's look at it from the, the, the other side. I, the, I, I tend to agree with you, but governments are elected or, or, or if they are in a democracy... Governments are only around for three, four, five years. And all of the promises that are made beyond the date of the next election cannot be taken seriously by a concerned electorate. Well, I mean, as, as a, a campaigning um, party wanting to be in government, you can say, I will carry on this work. And people, when it's long-term work that's going to take 30, 40 years, you would be expected to do that. Um, but it, but it is a very difficult thing for a government to come in and say we're we're going to take steps and exact steps to fix the environment because no one really knows the exact impact of what they're doing. Um, you, you know, by throwing away plastic cups, by having meatless Mondays, um, by cutting down the amount of emissions in the centre of cities, no one can really say this is going to close the, the hole in the ozone layer. Agreed. On the other hand, there are other things that we are doing from an environmental perspective, not necessarily to do with climate change, that are clearly terrible. So you're talking about single use and so on, and, and you know how much water are we using and detergent to clean uh, our cups rather than using one-offs. But if you look at what is happening in the oceans and you see the the, the wildlife, the mm. sea life, getting caught up in in islands of plastic waste, particularly in the areas between China and India and so on, that is horrific. And, and, and you can, cannot see that improving unless we take it upon ourselves to do something. As a vegetarian, um, That's me. You, you, know, you obviously wouldn't eat children. I don't know. Children aren't animals. Maybe I would. Oh, okay. Because what my suggestion for you as a vegetarian would be to eat some sort of non-meat alternative. So if you've got a plastic human, maybe that plastic woman in your cupboard, <laughs> Here's the drum roll. Question number two was, Conguito Candies made the news this week. Why? David. <sighs> Somebody ate a Conguito candy while they were doing a YouTube live, choked on it, and it's been viewed by 30 million people since. Correct. Okay. No, not at all. But it, you're it, right with the social media bit. It's the sort of thing that would happen, that instead of going to call 911 or 999, somebody would actually continue filming themselves doing I, it. I, I've been near someone who fell into a swimming pool, and the person next to me got out their camera and filmed it. Rather, it's... Did you jump in? No. Okay, so what's the story with Conguito Candies? Okay, Conguito Candies made the news this week because 
a Manchester City footballer called Bernardo Silva took the logo from Conguito's Candies and tweeted it next to a picture of a friend of his, Benjamin Mendy, who also plays for Manchester City, and put the two pictures together and what, said... What's, the, what's on the logo? Conguito candies are chocolate-covered. You get the white chocolate-covered one and dark chocolate-covered one. The dark chocolate-covered one has a little brown baby with red lips. Okay, and he put the two together. Two together and, and said, guess who? And, and so the meaning was... They look alike. Alike. When Benjamin Mendy was a kid. To which Benjamin Mendy replied, one nil to you, brother. In other words, funny. Funny, that's good. Okay. However, this was done on Twitter. Not uh, good. Not good. When you are famous. Correct. And seen by lots and lots of people who said, not good. To which Bernardo Silva then went, you guys, this was supposed to be funny. Or something along those lines. And now he's been charged with aggravated racial abuse by the Football Association and could end up with a six-game ban. Now... The manager of the team, the coach, Pep Guardiola, a very famous guy, probably the world's best manager, said, I'm pretty sure it was Pep, who said that you should know that Bernardo Silva speaks four languages, he's a great guy, and so on. Pep Guardiola cheapening this by saying he can't be a racist because he's an intelligent guy. I I think that was a a poor argument. I mean, I, I think the feeling is that people who know the player... He's, he's a really lovely guy, and that's what they're trying to say. He's an educated guy. When you read football journalists talking about this, they say he's the one player that stops and will give them as much time as they need, will speak to them, he's very friendly. You know, none they're, they're, none of which means he's not a racist. No. Well, actually, it could mean he's not a racist, but it means he may be ignorant of what certain types of racism are. Um, so much for being you, educated. Yeah, but... Uh, if you look at what he did, this was to a, a black friend of his um, who found it funny. So if he has a friend who is black who finds it funny, why would he think it's racist? So just to explain, some of the older football players, including black players, including those who advocate against racism, actually said they didn't have a particular problem with this. They didn't see it as racist. Most of the football writers out there have said they don't believe Bernardo Silva is racist. Uh, Those people who are are, are active today as footballers or or as um, writers uh, have said, though, that they believe he should go through some form of educational correction and training to understand. Explain this a bit more and give it more of a broader context. Okay. Uh, Just in terms of uh, the people that came out on his side... Uh, there was a footballer called John Barnes, a soccer player from the 80s, a black soccer player who was one of the first prominent black players to play for England and who received a lot of abuse. And after he retired, he became quite a prominent campaigner against racism in football. He came out and said, do you know what? Actually, they do look a bit alike. I don't think there's a problem with saying that. If, if Benjamin Mendy is happy with it, then why should we be making a fuss of it? Raheem Sterling, who plays for Manchester City, another black footballer who has spent a lot of time talking to the media about his portrayal, because the media liked to tell stories about Raheem Sterling when he was young, his involvement with guns, the fact that he has a gun tattoo on him, and a lot of racial stereotypes about black players that, you know, here's a black player with money, look what he's doing with his money. Um, you know, he's wasted. So and, and a lot of people have come second. out and said this isn't racist. We should also say about Raheem Sterling um, is that he has been racially abused in football games when playing for his own, for, for England. Yeah, even by his own overseas. fans. And we should also add that he has come out uh, very bravely 
to speak against racism um, in the game. Yeah. But he also has come to the defence of Bernardo Silva. But where, so, so against, where does... against that, you've got the, the commentary, at the, the journalists out there who are predominantly white. And one of the biggest problems within football is it's a white male sort of dominated arena when it comes to journalism. Yeah, they just um, sort of forced the English national hand by appointing a couple of deputy coaches to be part of the tra of the training team for the national squad. But that was more because of pressure and feeling we have to do the right thing rather than it being a natural process. Throughout uh, soccer in, in the UK, there are very few black managers. Um, you know. I think there were four or five yeah. within the top 92 clubs right. and, and where the, pl the playing staff were probably 30 to 40% black, black. Or, or, or minority. And ethnic. the same goes for Muslim and, and so on and so forth. It's just No, not with Muslim football players, you're probably... British Muslim football players, there's less than a handful. Right. In, in, and, and if you think that's 92 clubs and yeah. squads of 30... What can we say about big picture here? Can we learn anything, extrapolate anything from the, this issue with Bernardo Silva and Manchester City to broader society? Uh, for me, that this was about, and I, you know, I'm white and very middle class, and David's probably reasonably middle class as well, although you know he doesn't dress like it. Um, I, I, I moved up from working class. I moved up. Yeah, my, my father were working class. Or across. I, it's not, do you know what? Yeah. It's not right to say moved up. I moved from working class to middle class. Oh, no, I moved up. <laughs> we got a garden <laughs> instead of a yard. Go no, I, th I think going back to this issue, I think society in some places has moved on. Certainly in Britain, um, I don't think racism is the issue it was 20, 30 years ago when players were out there and fans were throwing bananas at them. That, that happens very rarely. I mean, a manager had a cabbage thrown at him, but I think that was something else altogether. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, to shout racism in this particular case is, is a bit harsh. But, you know, for me, I think the player needs to understand if you're on social media and you're sending stuff like this, learn how to direct message. Let us know your thoughts. Email us almost30quiz at gmail.com and you can tweet us at almostquiz. Welcome back to the Almost 30 Minute Quiz Show with Mark and myself, David. Mark, um, what did Yoshi Takeshita do for a living? Yoshi Takeshita, I think, was a toilet repairer. <laughs> There's all sorts of possibilities, but what we are going to be doing over the next few minutes is looking at bizarre names of sports people. And Yoshitake Ishita played volleyball in Japan, and these days is a coach. Correct, and and won the bronze medal at the London 2012 Olympics for the silliest name uh, and volleyball. Yes. So what we're going to do because this be our listicle session. Arr. So, yes, this is where we give you a list of the top something. And right now, we're going to give you the list of, and there are, there are millions of them, so we yeah. can do this week after week. Um, but the top... In fact, we might well do if... If we spend too much time talking about each one. Um, top silly names of sports people, and Mark will lead us off. Okay, we start with rugby player Farage Fartas. Can you imagine what it must be like to be in a scrum or a scrimmage with somebody of that name? Ironically, on, yes. on, on the list, there's a picture of him with his trousers. Yeah, yeah. hopefully he doesn't play front row. Yeah. Um, next, and, and this one I'm, I'm going to sort of question, but uh, we're talking about the pitcher, Steve Schartz. Now, why do you think that's funny? Do you know what a shart is? You see, I call it a squirt. Well, it, it, it's like a, a fart where you, you just follow through a bit. Yes, but I call it a... It's only a squirt, squirt. if you've got problems. Well, no, because it's a... Anyway, yes. number three. 
Sorry, a squat, <laughs> not a squirt. <laughs> a squat. I can't do it. Yes, that's what, like I'm saying. Squirt, yes. you've got yes. problem. <laughs> Go and see a urologist. <laughs> Go on your turn. Hockey. Hockey. Hockey player, Dick Paradise. One of my favourites, uh, the soccer player, Ralph Minge. This one needs a bit of pronunciation. Female basketball player, Dewana Boner. But it's spelt Bonner, B-O-N-N-E-R. Dewana Bonner. Poor woman. Poor, poor woman. Ivana Mandic, who, um, what did she play? Say it in the accent. Ivana Mandic. Oh, Ivana Mandic. Yes. Did I, I say it wrong? Yeah, you said it probably correctly. I'm and then doing it's it not straight, funny. yes. What did she play? Um, she basketball. Basketball. Yep. Table tennis player, Wang Licking. It's NASCAR racer? Yep. Um, Dick Trickle, GP. Really. Another one for a urologist. No, you can't say this yeah. one. You cannot. I am going to hit the, 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 bu- the button, the ee button. Okay. Baseball player, Rusty Cunts. Spelt K-U-N-T-Z. Oh, mark, Mark, Mark. Volleyball player, Destiny Hooker. American footballer, Dick Felt. <laughs> and the person that we mentioned way back at the start, the female volleyball player from Japan, Yoshi Takashita. This is my favourite. Basketball player for the Philadelphia Kings, Chubby Cox. <laughs> I wonder what his real first name is. Do you think it's going to be... Oh, I thought it was a surname that was made up. Ha-ha. <laughs> Footballer Dan Shittu. Summed him up. He so played he for was, Watford. Yes, yeah. Was he? Uh, did you ever watch him? Yeah, I think he played for Millwall as well. Was he any good? He was solid. Like a, yeah, anyway. Yes. <laughs> Baseball pitcher. Oh, no, he was a manager. Dick Sizzler. I notice if somebody's called Richard, they are... They're automatically dicked. Buggered, yes. No. Oh. Yes. And uh, <laughs> another footballer or soccer player by the name of Bernd Haas. Oh, this is my favourite. You've already I, had a favourite. I know, but they just keep getting better. This is an athlete for the Seychelles called Gaylord Silly. <laughs> it's almost like his parents named him for shows And have like you this. noticed that he, he runs the 800 metres sort of five seconds slower than everybody else? Although he almost caught Nimet Gashi. <laughs> I didn't even see that. And uh, footballer uh, in, in England uh, by the name of Dean Windass. Okay. This is a really good one and appropriate for the sport. Swimmer, Misty Hyman. Uh, Andre Arshaven. I think it's pronounced Arshavin. Oh, but you, you told me off before. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> played for, Ar- played played for Arsenal. Arsenal. Yes. And what was his manager called? Arsene Wenger. Last two. <laughs> Legendary American footballer for the Chicago Bears, Dick Butkus. <laughs> and finally, uh, this is a guy. Which, which actually amazed me. I don't, what did he play? He's a linebacker, so American football. Ah, there you go. Um, by the name of Luscious Pussy. Could be pronounced Pussy. We'll, we'll go with Luscious Pussy, and we'll go with the drum roll. Question number four. Which TV chef's Italian restaurant chain closed down, costing him £25 million? Was he Italian? Nope. Um, He's an uh, English chef. Yeah, that sold books all over oh the world. Oh lord, I, I hate all these TV chefs. Um, I actually had a job interview for Twist, him. Oliver, no, Oliver, yeah, close, Oliver, Olivetti, Olive. No, Oliver's his surname, and his first name Can't is remember. Jamie. Jamie oh, Oliver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. He didn't okay. give me the job, so yeah. Anyway, if I'd have worked for him, he wouldn't have gone out. Before. That brings us. Very nicely onto our review section. Yay! David, what are we doing this week? Um, we're doing restaurants. Excellent. 
Okay, here's the first review. These are reviews that we're taking from the internet. They are real, genuine reviews. On TripAdvisor. From TripAdvisor, the old TripAdvisor this yeah. week. Okay, um, it doesn't mean that necessarily what's been written in them is true, and we're not mentioning the names of the restaurants so as to avoid prosecution. I write this from my phone while sitting on the toilet because I ate here two hours ago and now cannot stop pooping. I got a steak bowl since for some reason the geniuses in the kitchen didn't cook enough chicken and they ran out. There was a long line of people waiting for chicken from the kitchen and I figured I'd just get steak rather than wait. The joke's on me. Now I'm suffering from some pretty violent sprays and my bathroom sounded like the scene from Dumb and Dumber where Harry dominated the bathroom with his laxative fueled explosion of painful diarrhea. Chipotle steak has caused a dark, thick river of hate to come out of me that Vigo the Carpathian would be proud of. No janitor and no toilet deserves what's happening here. Three stars, because at least the guacamole tasted good. <laughs> this one actually got three, three stars as well. Great restaurant, shame about the midgets. I wish we hadn't gone. The meal was ruined by midgets everywhere, and we were sitting inside. We even moved tables nearer the back wall, but we were either followed by them or they were at the table too. We woke up the following morning covered in bites and very itchy. Do we need to explain? Go on, just in case. Okay, in case you don't know. Midges are normally in Scotland. They uh, come out at night and they bite you. They're called midges, not midgets. Sorry for having to explain that. That was for the non-Brits. One star. Visited here with a friend and whilst I was away from the table, he complained that the blonde barmaid farted on him. Thinking he was joking, I took no notice. Next time she came to collect glasses, she clearly spun around and crop dusted us with a terrible smell. Absolutely bizarre and disgusting. And finally, horrible. And there might be a little bit of bad language in here. I'm very sorry. I'm not that sorry. <laughs> as, as my friend just said, my arsehole's on fire. It feels like I've been bent over and had hot chili oil shoved up my bum for hours. Anyway, I've never reviewed, but my taste buds, wallet, and butthole say I need to. The service was horrible, and the food was disgusting. The watery sauce clearly came from a toilet, and there was friendlier service at Auschwitz. Don't ever go there unless you want to shit for days. And finally, on this edition of the almost 30-minute quiz show, Mark, question five. What was XTC's first top 40 single in 1979? Finally, one I know the answer to, and probably the only single that I ever knew XTC brought out, but apparently they had six top 40 singles. We're only making plans for Nigel. And this is relevant to today's news because... Apparently... This week, there was the world's biggest gathering of Nigels, which attracted 433 Nigels to a Nigel conference at the Fleece Inn in Worcestershire. Why? Well, the organiser organizer <laughs> was called, is a landlord of the pub called Nigel Smith, and he found out that in 2016, there were no births registered under the name of Nigel. In the UK. So, he made plans for a Nigel conference. How was it covered by the media? There's a lovely picture in the Metro newspaper. It has a picture of the 433 Nigels. If I read the caption below, it says pictured are Nigel, 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 Nigel. Don't forget to subscribe. See you next week. Nigel, 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 
Nigel, Nigel, Nigel, Nigel. <laughs>